everyone. How's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming to you via CincyJungle.com and the SB Nation network of podcasts. We're doing something a little different this week. Uh, it's it's For some of you, it's very much the same. We're going on our uh, – via StreamYard, we're going to our YouTube channel, but we are also trying to simulcast this podcast on Cincy Jungle's Facebook live uh, video feed. The Facebook viewers probably won't see my co-host, but they'll hear him. And what a great segue to intro my co-host, John Sheeran. How are you, man? We're we're owing three. We're we're plodding through here. Um, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing fine, but I want to know how the birthday boy's doing, man. Happy birthday, man! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm I'm feeling a little old today. It's uh, it's kind of. Are you comfortable sharing the number? Thirty-seven. Oh, that's not. That's nothing. Thirty-seven. Come on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, inching inching my way to forty, man. It's uh scary, uh, scary. But uh, yeah. For those for those wondering, it is my birthday is actually. If you're tuning in live, it is today, Tuesday. Um. So thank you, John. Appreciate that. Um. I'll save you from singing "Happy Birthday" to me, unless you really want to. But uh, I, I feel like we should get one of the callers <laughs> to, to call in and sing for us. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll do that. We'll see. We'll see. But um, I, good to see you. We've got a ton to get to tonight. We're going to break down the Bills, the loss to the Bills. There are a number of aspects to talk about that, from coaching, the mental mistakes, uh, the officiating, all of that. We will touch on that. We're going to talk quarterbacks and Andy Dalton. There is a discussion to be had about that, a debate to be had. Uh, that's obviously a hot topic amongst Bengals fans, so we will get to that. And then we will preview the Steelers game. John and I will talk about that and the impact of the result of that game, however that turns out, what that means for the Bengals season going forward and, and long term. And, of course, we'll have the uh, the phone line open, 949-542-6241. If you want to give us a call, we will uh, we'll, we'll try and get you on the air or, or a text. You can shoot us a text, too. We'll try and get that. Um, before we get to everything, for those who, who have listened to our show and have done so through this SB Nation Cincy Jungle channel, since we joined the SB Nation network of podcasts, um, for those who have listened to us that way, there has been some some news, and you may have seen it through the feed. So, some good news. There are there is a number of additions being added to the slate. So you're still going to get the same kind of stuff you'll hear from us multiple times a week, um, be it the post game analysis, obviously our weekly show, the occasional listener listener questions, that sort of thing. Um, but we've added to, some of you have seen Daddy O McDuck, his show. Sorry if I spit when I speak. Uh, John Sharon, my co-host, is also a co-host on that show. So he has been added. His show has been added with Doctor Haji Smoji, right? Isn't that is not that the other co-host? Uh, Hoji Smoji. It's the other. Hoji other Smoji. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, Hoji. I mispronounced. So they have been added to the to the channel. Uh, some of you know New Stripe City and or the uh, Orange is the New Black. That podcast by Ace Boogie and uh, Zim Hude. They have now also been added to our channel. So they're part of the feed. And then, of course, we will be adding, probably starting this week, Matt Minich from uh, CincyJungle.com will be doing film reviews. So uh, we had our hands kind of full. We talked about maybe doing the film review. Matt does a spectacular job as it is uh, on Twitter, if you follow him at Coach Minich. Um, he does a lot of good film review there. So all of that's, all of those guys are joining our, our podcast network. Basically, you're going to have something pretty much every day of the week from us, which is pretty cool. We, we're going to still give you our show. If for some reason our show is not your cup of tea, there are other options for you. But hopefully you check out all of the shows and enjoy all of them. I'm pretty excited about it, John. I, I've worked with everyone who's coming on uh, to the network. Uh, obviously, um, Ace Boogie, who's New Stripe City, and uh, Zim. Those guys are great. They do a great podcast. They just started about a month and a half ago, they give a great perspective from their own right, and they're just great content, content creators as well. And Matt Minich is also a great content creator. And, you know, like you said, there's just a bunch of different perspectives now coming to the channel and giving you, you know, different ways of consuming Bengals knowledge. Even when they're not good, we're, we're going to still throw this team at you, and we're not stopping. Yep. 
Yep. And, you know, I'm seeing, I, I, because we are simulcasting on a couple of different platforms here, I'm seeing, you know, obviously the cynical fans are out. Jim, Mc, Jim McDaniel in the Facebook chat, Mike Brown laughing at everyone who actually cares about the Bungles. Uh, Tommy Wagner agreeing, saying, yeah, he is. Uh, you know, others kind of obviously not in a good place because the Bengals are 0-3. Regardless, we're going to give you content. And, uh, you know, we're, our show, the Orange and Black Insider, is going to give you content. CincyJungle.com is going to give you content. Ace and Zim Hude are going to give you content on their show. Matt Minich, Hoji, and, and Daddio are going to give you their show. So we're excited about that. We wanted to let everyone know. We don't know. It's not going to necessarily be on the YouTube channel because our YouTube channel is really specific to OBI stuff. But the audio uh, where you get the stuff on Megaphone, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that stuff, you'll get it there. Um, the stuff will probably also be on CincyJungle.com. So um, maybe not on the YouTube side, but it'll be on the audio side. But we're pretty excited about that. And uh, you'll get to hear a lot of different stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and as far as that, um, D- Daddy and Hoji actually got me started like writing in general, just doing videos with them. And um, th- that should that should still be YouTube content because we still do um, almost weekly videos regarding the Bengals. But yeah, any any video there could be posted as a podcast. So just keep an eye out for that for sure. For sure. Well, oh yeah, we, we, got, we, we, we want to do the honors, John. I mean, we're they're zero and three, that's, so that's right. uh, we, we, we got to cover this game that just happened. So, yeah. all right, let's just let's just get into it. Um, the Bengals are now 0-3 on the season, and they are now 0-2 in close games, and the latest close game was this game against the Buffalo Bills. And honestly, it was a tale of two halves. You had an inept offensive performance in that first half in, in Buffalo against, against a hostile uh, crowd and environment, and um, it, it looked like it was going to be a for-sure loss, you know, entering that locker room. And then we kind of saw the switch kind of flip for, for that offense, and the Bengals kind of marched their way back and all throughout the game. I, I think the defense played extremely well and you, you know, you had a pretty even matchup going up into that final minute, but unfortunately you have, a, you had a defense that was giving it it's all and playing for most of the game and unfortunately tired out against the bills. And you just had one final turnover at the end of the game, but also not only with the Bengals, there were a lot of questionable calls specifically from the referees that may that may have you know turned the tides on different portions of this game. You had the one you know phantom hold against Auden Tate on the kickoff return. You had a couple of of, of miss uh, miss calls on the Bills, specifically maybe a hold on a potential sack. You had a miss face mask on a Dawson Knox you know catch and run. You had that that crazy Josh Allen fumble that was ruled out of bounds, or the Bengals didn't have possession when recovering. So. Honestly, you had a bunch of these factors going into this game, and that's kind of the nature of, of how close games are. You know, they're kind of they're basically essentially at the end of the season coin flips, and either team can win either of these games. But ultimately, the Bengals did not play very well, and I would say that they didn't deserve to win this game, even if Buffalo didn't exactly look like a powerhouse, even though they're zero and three or they're three zero now. So, Anthony, what what is really the biggest takeaway with this with, with this loss? It was it. The, the, the lack of offensive production in the first half due to play calling was just unfortunately the refs on screwing the Bengals on multiple occasions, or maybe we're just looking at this team and they're just not talented enough to compete against, you know, teams that are pretty similar to them. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's all of the above a little bit. It's just, the, it's kind of the, the, you know, it's which one is the majority piece of the pie, right? Um, the officiating was obviously awful, but when you're a good enough team, you can overcome a lot of that stuff. Uh, I mean, granted, though, there might if you're a, a good team, a really good team, you can you'll have a week where the officiating maybe screws you and you, you take a loss that maybe you shouldn't have. But more often than not, a good team is able to overcome some of those things, and uh, you know that's that's part of it. it. They did take points off the board, and when you see a team that is struggling like the Bengals are. When you see a team that is in transition, new coaches, young guys, guys hurt that need these types of breaks, obviously the officiating becomes spotlighted, right? So, uh, you know, to me, that is, that is, you know, a, a part of what happened Sunday. The out and t- you, you mentioned the phantom call on out and Tate. There was a no call on Andrew Brown. The, the Josh Allen fumble and Nick Vigil recovery. That was just an absolutely absurd sequence of calls to me. Um, you know, you had, they called him, 
that he fumbled when he was out of bounds and he was like two yards in bounds still. Uh, and the ball was clearly, out. I mean, it, it just really poor officiating. That's part of the equation. But my, my main takeaway aside from all this stuff is that this is a team still trying to find ways to win, learned how to win as the old adage goes. This is a team that has flaws on its roster, very noticeable flaws. And, and you know, the coaching to me, I, I think I think that's part of what we are very excited about in week one. We saw, hey, you know, this offense looks different. This defense is playing a lot better than we thought. And, you know, they, they kind of just surprised us in terms of there was a flea flicker. There was all this stuff that they came out with where you're kind of like, wow, is this how the rest of the year is going to be? Even though it was a loss. If this is how the rest of the year is going to be, even if they don't make the playoffs, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Well, the play calling has regressed over the past couple of weeks. The quarterback play has regressed over the past couple of weeks. And then there's still the mental errors by, by the team and, and mental mistakes to me. Yeah, that's on the players, but that's also on the coaches because you have to get these guys prepared to play and, and prepared enough to not make those ki- kinds of mistakes. John Ross is going to give you just maddening, a maddening play or two every game. Um, and unfortunately, that's something I guess we have to accept. Uh, and that whether it's, in the, I mean, two targets to start the game, a drop and a lost fumble. I mean, that's, so there's just, to me, if there were some, if they were to avoid the mental mistakes and, and some of the, the poor coaching decisions, poor play calling early in the game, I think you wouldn't be complaining as much about the officiating. You wouldn't be complaining as much as about the deficiencies on the offensive line and at linebacker that are, are very obvious. I think, uh, I think you made a good point early on. Like what the, 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 the turnover of this team, excuse me, happened on the coaching staff and not necessarily on the roster itself. Obviously they were very inactive in free agency. They didn't add a bunch of impact players in the draft. So your hope for this team improving was improvement in the, in the coaching staff and elevating these players. And unfortunately, we're starting to figure out that, hey, you still need quality personnel to win NFL football games. And this coaching may be an improvement in some areas, but it's just not enough to really kickstart it the way that they, that they want it to. And again, to, to, to further expand upon your point, there, there were times in this game you know, where the offense did look competent and they did get something going in the second half. And the defense, you know, played out of their minds for, for most part of it. And granted, it was against a, a crappy quarterback in Josh Allen. But, you know, the, the, they played well enough to, to keep him in the game. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a complete game because this is just not an incomplete roster in itself. And I, there's an argument about how they could potentially be 2-1 and one right now because of those two close one-score games where if a couple of things go the other way, they're on the winning side of things. You, you, that argument doesn't really work when your team is as bad as this one right now. They're, they're an 0-3 team for a reason, not just because there's bad luck going on with the refs or bad luck going on with, with how the game what goes. That, that happens to every team in the NFL. Unfortunately for the Bengals, it happened twice in three weeks. But over the course of a 16-game season, this stuff will happen to every team for the, over the course of you know multiple games. So when you're a bad team and essentially your roster is just incomplete and there's a lot of holes in it, you're not good enough to overcome the bad things to happen to basically every team. And I know there's Bengals fans out there that are thinking, oh, the refs are out to get us. They wouldn't do this to Pittsburgh or, or New England. But at the end of the day, every team goes through this. And every team goes, you know, has to deal with adversity that is out of their control. And it's up to them. And it's up to the coaching staff to put them in positions to produce, you know, beyond those, you know, circumstances that are out of their control. And unfortunately, they just couldn't do it in this game. And it was an incomplete performance. It was a team that didn't deserve to win. And they almost had the win handed to them on the silver platter. All they had to do was drive down there and into the end zone and score a touchdown. Unfortunately, Dalton threw an Aaron ball to Alan Tate. And even before that, you know, you had 12 men on the field in that extra point, allowed the Bills to move up and go for two. Wow. And that was, yeah, twice, 12 men on the field twice. And that, that goes on Darren Simmons and Leanna Rumo. So, you know, if you kick that, if you force them to kick the extra point, you're only down by three and maybe you, you would only be relying on a field goal to end the game. So, yeah, it's bad luck, but it's also the consequences of having a bad team. And unfortunately, this team is not ready to compete because they're just not good enough, despite you know some potential improvements in the coaching staff. Well, a lot of people think, John, that this and uh, you know this team could have been or should have been two and one. I mean, obviously, you have two two of their three losses are by you know 
week one and week three, obviously, were by a combined five points. So, I mean, obviously, shoulda, woulda, coulda, yeah, you, you they very well could have been two and one. The thing that really bothers me, though, John, and I'd love to get your your thoughts on this because I've talked about this for a while, whether it's on the podcast or at CincyJungle.com or what have you. Talked about this for years. And I, I was hoping that this would be remedied with Zach Taylor and a new staff coming in. It's the lack of the clutch gene, right? To me, the thing that bothered me is wasn't, you know, it wasn't the slow start necessarily. I mean, obviously that was frustrating and, you know, the officiating that came with that and ineffectiveness of the offense, the whole thing early on was very frustrating. But here's the thing. The Bengals climb back in the game. They create some turnovers. They finally get some things going on offense. They kind of scrape together a lead. And then you're kind of going, hey, you know, if they sneak one out of here, then they kind of feel good about themselves, maybe build some momentum against a Pittsburgh team that's not doing well. You know what I mean? So, but the thing that bothered me was it, then the the two the times you you needed them to come up big. The defense at the end of the game and the offense at the end of the game. You know, throughout the entire game, they started making plays and defense got absolutely flattened at a critical point in the game, literally by Dawson Knox. And then the offense comes in, they start moving the ball down the field. And like you mentioned, the interception, this, this team, we can talk about learning how to win, but this team still doesn't know how to show up in those crunch time moments, in those moments that a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning or others showed up. And, and I'm not just spotlighting the quarterback because it was the defense as well, but they're not stepping up in those moments. And to me, that is a sign of leadership. That is a sign of solid coaching and all of those things we've talked about. Yeah, and I think it's it's almost like a domino effect where you had the offense being so incompetent in the first half and it forced the defense to be on the field for, I believe, over 20 minutes in that first half. And on a, it wasn't an exaggeration because you barely saw the offense in the first half. So by the time that you know the offense was picking up steam in the second half, the defense was just unfortunately tired out. And when they needed to stop the most, they, they got they got destroyed and they, the Bills charged down the field and forced the Bengals to try to muster up a game-winning drive on their own. So when you have, you know, a team that is capable of, you know, going through lulls and, and, and bad moments of the game, you know, when you need them to step up when, when it counts, sometimes it's just not enough. And unfortunately, that's just the nature of this team right now. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot of uh... – Seeing some funny comments, Dave, Dave uh, between Vape Guy and Dave Lennox. Uh, Vape Guy says Dalton is not clutch. Dave Lennox says Dalton is a crutch, not a not clutch. So, uh, I mean, and it's not just the quarterback. Uh, you know, the kicker, you can point at it in week one, needed to make a big kick, didn't. Um, it, these are the things that teams need to do to be successful. These are the, the moments when someone's got to step up and make a play in these crunch time, you know, big time moments and they're not. And this was a prevalent thing under Marvin Lewis, even in successful seasons, you can look at the primetime game, the primetime game issue. That's not stepping up in, in clutch situations. And it seems to still be carrying over into this year on a new brand new staff. I, I don't know if there's a remedy for it. Um, I, I don't know if you've got any, other ideas on how to fix that. I, I don't. I mean, we've seen them win close games before. We've seen right. them win game winning drives. And I think ultimately, once they get more talent at the most important positions, it could become a lesser issue. But unfortunately, when you know, you're not good enough to basically pull away from games and win games that you probably should win based off how the opponent is playing, you're, you're going to be relying on these situations. And when you can't rely on the talent where it matters the most, it might result in more losses than wins. Yeah. Well, Bengals fall to 0-3 against the Bills, a game they probably well, they could have won. I don't know if you want to even say they should have won, but between some officiating gaffes and um, you know other uh, other things, I mean, they did fight back. So I guess you got to be optimistic, I guess, in the fact that they did climb their way out of a hole and and grab a lead on the road. But um, you know, they fall to 0-3. 
very, very rare. I don't have the stats in front of me. I know 0-2 is about a 12% chance that teams, at least recently, 12% success rate that they make the postseason at 0-3. I'm sure it's far less than that. So um, we'll see. They have to basically go 9-4 and you know nine and four the rest of the way with teams like New England and many others on the schedule. So um, not looking great right now. Uh, still pretty early. And they have a big one coming up this next week on Monday night against the Steelers. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We thank you very much for joining us live, whether it's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook channel or the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. We're simulcasting to both. If you're new to this program, uh, check us out through the SB Nation channel of podcasts, among now other shows that, that have joined us. Basically, wherever you get your audio podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, Megaphone, all that all that jazz, you can get it there. It's on CincyJungle.com, and then we have a YouTube channel for this program specifically. So download it how you can, and uh, we, we look forward to being in touch with you and giving, giving you more content as the year progresses. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm hesitant to go here, John. Hesitant to go here because I know this is just such a hot button topic going forward. But we got to talk some Andy Dalton. Um, We get we got to talk some Andy Dalton. And for those who know me, I've been I I wouldn't say I've been soft on Andy Dalton, but I've been softer than some. Uh, And and. I think part of it is I I hold a soft spot because he seems like a good guy and you want to see him win. And he's teased us with big seasons, statistically a lot of wins, playoff berths, that sort of thing. Um, Even early this year, I stuck up for him. Now for those who have been tuning into this program, John has been a bit criticized from some of our listeners who are big Dalton supporters because uh, John has criticized Dalton, what I believe is still, even though I'm not as harsh on him, what I believed to still be a valid criticism that John has, valid criticisms that you've thrown his way. But I saw things this week and had some thoughts this week that made me made me rethink the direction of what the Bengals need to do at quarterback. Um Dalton's thrown for a lot of yards. I think he's at 900 plus yards. Uh, one of the top five passers in terms of passing yards currently through three games. Um, he's got, uh, you know, what is it? Five touchdown passes. I think he's got four interceptions now. Um, he threw two this last week. Uh, two egregious ones. Um, you know, there, you could talk, there was some talk about maybe some miscommunication by the wide receivers in terms of not getting the plane because of the noise. 
The venue was windy. We know that. Um, I saw some things though, John, that, that really worried me. And I, I had an additional thought. The one thing in terms of this specific game that really worried me from Andy Dalton is I saw probably, I think two or three occasions where some pressure came in and he either stepped into the pressure and took a sack or he rolled out and kind of just threw the ball away, did not keep his eyes downfield to extend the play. Now, normally I think what accentuated me thinking about that and, and seeing that those types of non plays develop was the fact that we saw Josh Allen evade so many different sacks. Now, Josh Allen is a much bigger guy than, than Andy Dalton, but Dalton's mobile. Uh, Josh Allen, and he made some poor throws too, but he evaded a lot of sacks, kept his eyes downfield quite often, and made additional plays to the frustration of us watching the game and obviously the Bengals' defense. He's a much younger player than Andy Dalton. And you see now almost a regression in this sense from Andy Dalton, at least from my eyes, I think you've seen it in years prior, but that really opened my eyes this week. Uh, And I think the pressure is getting to him from the offensive line, but I also think that that is something you don't want to see out of a nine-year quarterback that you're wanting to see have a career year under Zach Taylor. I think it all kind of boils back to what happened in 2015 which is where the, the, the discourse on both sides with Dalton become. People will look at that year and say, you know, he was able to do this. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, had he not gotten injured, maybe they would have done something, something in the playoffs. The reality with that team, and we've said it multiple times in the show, is that that was the best team that the Bengals have assembled in a 30-year period, the best team since the 1988 Super Bowl team. Yep. And they haven't gotten they, they haven't gotten the team close to that before, and they are nowhere where they were. They are nowhere now compared to where they were in 2015. It's been four years of trying to rebuild what they had, and the way that this team operates and you know turn, turns over the roster and whatnot. It's hard to get back at that at that point. And I'm not saying it's going to take 30 years again, but with the with their inactiveness and free agency and their unwillingness to make bold moves in the draft and whatnot, it's hard to build that complete of a roster once more with with a quarterback that, as we've seen does best when everything around him is picture perfect in the NFL. Now, like you said, with Josh Allen, it's about how can you perform out of structure? How can you perform when things aren't perfect? When your receivers aren't getting amazing separation, when the blocking isn't picture perfect, what happens when you have to step up? What happens when you have to extend the play? What happens when you have to make an out out of the ordinary throw? This is why Patrick Mahomes is the golden standard of of the NFL now, because he could just do things you know, mobily and with his arm, obviously, that other quarterbacks can't. This is why the Bills invested in Josh Allen because, you know, obviously he's not as consistent or as good as Mahomes, but he has that special ability. And he he almost made some incredible throws in this in this game. And you're thinking to yourself, there is no way the Bengals quarterback can do anything like that. The reality of the situation is, yeah, the, the volume stature there with Dalton right now, he's on pace to throw almost 700 passes this year. Last year, Ben Roethlisberger led the NFL in passing yards. He was – but by all means, a below average quarterback. So volume stats aren't going to do anything for a nine-year nine-year quarterback who basically gets carried by the level of talent around him. The fact of the matter is he's 20th in total QBR, he's 24th in expected points per play, and he's one of the bottom seven quarterbacks in completion percentage above expectation. I point out those three specific stats because they you know, judge a quarterback on a play-per-play basis basically keep weight everything equal for all quarterbacks, strength of schedule and obviously talent around them and basically judges, you know, how they go every every single play, every decision that they make, every play that they're involved with. The fact of the matter is, even with some of the injuries on the offense, even with some of the lapses on the on the defense, he's performing like a below average quarterback. And in year nine, when you have a potential big contract coming up, it, it's inexcusable to keep investing in him when you have proven time and time again that you cannot build around him like you used to. You know, I understand the Dalton supporters saying, you know, the offensive line is a mess. The injuries, including A.J. Green, really hurts him. Um, You know, the defense has been bad the past couple of years. I understand all of that. But you you also now, I mean, I'm coming to – I'm way late to this party by most people's standards, but you know, 
you don't have a guy to be able to overcome. If a team, if a guy's injured, you got to have a guy under center that's going to be able to raise the play of others. Now, granted, Tyler Boyd and Alden Tate and others stepped up pretty well this this last week, but I saw a number of throws in Buffalo where he he had three batted balls at the line. One of them ended up being completed. Um, I saw a number of throws that were very behind receivers. Not only the Alden Tate one that caused the interception at the end of the game that was both high and behind him, but a number of different guys that had to stop. When they were wide open, they had to kind of stop and catch the ball a little bit behind them or stop their route instead of kind of keep running and hitting them in stride. I don't know if that was the wind. I don't know if that's an arm strength factor, whatever you want to attribute that to. Maybe that's a nitpick, but that takes away yards sometimes. That takes away plays. There's no doubt about it. You can you look at the one play down the sideline to John Ross that he, he put it up there. You could say John Ross, maybe you want to have him lay out for that and put, put a little more effort on it, but it's another missed ball, deep ball by Andy Dalton that we've seen countless times in his career, whether it's to AJ Green, John Ross, or whoever else. My thing is this, this is the realization I had this week, John. It's taken me nine years, I think, to get here. And like I said, I like Andy Dalton. He's done a lot of good things for this team. He's done a lot of good things for the community. He's set single season passing records. He helped this team when they were in a bad transition from the Carson Palmer debacle. But what is he giving this team that many other signal callers that are either currently employed in the, in the league or that are coming out in the draft, what is he giving this team that those guys cannot? Now I watched a little bit of the game last night. Of course, he's going to be better than Case Keenum. Of course, he's going to give you more than what Joe Flacco can right now. There are exceptions to that rule. But big picture-wise, is he? what is he giving you that another guy in the draft really can't give you? What is he giving you in, in the positive standpoint, aside from really the one thing I can think of is experience. Maybe the guys in the locker room like him. We're not in that locker room, so we don't really know. But that's kind of it uh, you know Zach Taylor said he was a fit for this offense but there have still been some noticeable struggles some struggles that we've seen from him in in his career yeah and I want to address a comment in in the live in the live chat here from Dion DTS that's why I don't want to draft any of these quarterbacks next year's draft none is like Patrick he's referring to Patrick Mahomes I mean Kyler Murray I mean he's not necessarily Patrick Mahomes but the Cardinals saw weakness at the most important position on their team and they addressed it by getting a guy who can play similar to Patrick Mahomes. Now I'm not saying that, and you know, Tua Tagliova or Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts is going to be at that level, but it's more, it's more than just finding that, that next generational talent. Like, like you just said, Anthony, what, what is like, wh where is the level of, of play where Dalton exceeds any other option? And more importantly, any other cheaper option, because if you get, if you get a quarterback in here on a rookie contract, that gives you a lot more flexibility to keep some more players to help build around him for the four or five year window. And that that's basically the window that you want with a new head coach and a quarterback. And beyond that, you should probably move on, which is what the Bengals should have done with Andy and Marvin Lewis in the first place. And like you said, it's nothing personal. I, I, I had the privilege of interviewing Andy Dalton, uh, this training camp. And he was just, he was just a blast to talk to. He was very friendly, very, you know, forthcoming in the things he had to say. Obviously we were, we were just, you know, some amateur reporters and he, he's dealt with a lot worse than us, but he, he treated us like, you know, like professionals in this industry and i have nothing but respect for the man who that he is and it, it's not it's nothing about that like you mentioned flacco the ravens saw that you know he wasn't giving them anything that they couldn't get a rookie quarterback to do and they went out and, and got a guy that the bengals could have drafted in lamar jackson and you know they respected flacco and and they did right by him but they improved on the most important position with the guy that can do much more for less and that's exactly what the Bengals need to do so I'm glad you brought up the the financial aspect because really that's kind of what, what the crux of my argument was. It's not so much what is he giving you that you can't get elsewhere. What is he giving you at a cap hit of $16.2 million this year that you can't get from somebody in the draft potentially at $2 million, $3 million this year at a, at a cap hit? And then I see, I see here Slip Ammo in the live YouTube chat says, sure, let's get a new QB and neglect the O-line some more LMFAO. Well, the point oh, I remember is, that guy. It, I remember Slipamo. He was a really big Dalton homer in the, in the message boards. Right. Sorry, so sorry about that. The other no, the, the the point is is you know maybe you get a guy who is similar than Dal to Dalton 
but you save $10 million and then you go out and you sign somebody else to help your team at some of these deficient areas. Um, or hopefully somebody better than, than Dalton is, is the hope, uh, usually on a rookie deal or a, a young deal to help your team. Also, to that point, the Bengals have traded for a left tackle. Last year, they traded for a left tackle and used their first-round pick on an offensive lineman. This year, they, they drafted an offensive tackle with their first-round pick and signed two guys to, that are starting on their offensive line to, to free agent contracts. Now, a lot of those haven't worked out, be it from injuries or whatever the other issues are. But the point is, I mean, they've, they've tried to get themselves in a better position from the Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler departures. But I just, I saw the, the, the one thing I was talking about with the eyes, not downfield a couple of, on a couple of occasions uh, against Buffalo, that was a sign of regression that really worried me. And like I said, at a 16.2 granted, no dead, you know, not, not really dead money. It's a team friendly deal from that standpoint, but, his cap hit still this year is 16.2 million. What is he getting giving this team at 16.2 million that you can't get from a guy in the draft that could be a lot cheaper? And then maybe you fill some of these holes that people are, are, you know, and rightfully complaining about. Um, I, I don't know. I, I want him to succeed. I really do. But I, I just, and I've given him a lot of time. Uh, I haven't been a Dalton homer but i've been more supportive than most i think um i'm starting to waver in my support for him i really am. i think you and the front office are in the same mindset where they want indy to, to succeed because he's a nice guy and he's done a lot for the organization and for the community of cincinnati but the reality of the situation is they've tried to build this offense line around him and they've failed miserably at that and even the offense line right now even with andre smith and bobby hart it's still you know there's still at least nine or ten offensive lines right now with the worst pass blocking grade for PFF. There's still a handful of teams who have given up more pressures. There are offensive lines who are worse than the NFL right now, and there's quarterbacks behind them that are playing much better than Andy Dalton, even without you know guys like Tyler Boyd and, and Tyler Eifert and John Ross to throw to. So there is potential for this offense to be much better with a more capable quarterback. And if you get to the point where you're like, okay, we if we can't successfully build around the quarterback like we want to after four or five years, Maybe we should just find a quarterback that can do more with less. And that's the nature of what the NFL is right now. It's it's finding a quarterback that, again, can operate out with outside of structure, operate with pressure in his face, and just make plays that, you know, marginal quarterbacks like Andy Dolan can't. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are people that are obviously disagreeing with us, and that's just kind of what uh, comes with this territory. I will say this. Um, there's a uh, – someone in the live Facebook uh, feed, Steve Gray, kind of saying, you know, what it, what is the team giving him for help? I mean, I, I mentioned that, what they've invested. Now, granted, they're not necessarily the moves that have either panned out or ones I would have made if I was in that front office, pointing at you, Bobby Hart. But the he did make a point, really, in this. Uh, of course, the quarterback is in the quarterback play and the rest of the issues on the team is a symptom of the larger problem, which is the, the front office, the organization, the ownership and approaches there. They are not setting up their quarterbacks or their coaches necessarily to be as successful as a at a championship level as they could be. You know, you mentioned the free agency approach. Um Whitworth and Zeitler, if your plan was to keep Andy Dalton and to surround him with an immense amount of talent, you're failing at that. Um, so then you need to then either continue to load up and spend money and do things in free agency to support Andy Dalton, or you need to go get a high quarterback and hope that, that high quarterback is the guy that can overcome some of these deficient areas like some other players that we've seen in Bengals history. He did say that, and this is to Steve Gray's point here, Boomer, Palmer, and Dalton all wasted careers. I don't know if I'd call them wasted careers, but they are careers that probably didn't get to the level that some of them should have. You know, Boomer did get them to the Super Bowl, but Palmer, you know, there was got hurt in 2005. Who knows what would have happened in that run? Dalton, same thing in 2015. Um, so but they didn't properly prop up those quarterbacks in terms of filling out the roster and doing things in free agency that many other championship level teams do. So that I, I do understand from that standpoint, John, why there is this loud support for, for Dalton, even through some of the struggles this year. 
Yeah, it's just it, it, once you get a better quarterback in there, then then the issue just becomes just you know trying to build better around him. But if you have a quarterback that can mask some of the deficiencies, the laundry list of things that you need to do, like get a perfect offensive line and get a perfect receiving core and get a perfect defense, that list becomes a lot shorter because you you would then have a quarterback who doesn't need everything to be perfect around him. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of people. This again, this is a, a polarizing topic, and I get it. Um, running the ball covers up a lot of issues. Eli Bush and YouTube's uh, the YouTube chat says, um, what teams have a worse outline? Cause Dalton has a quick release and 11 sacks in three games. Mixing watch watch some Texans games, watch some Texans games and see how Deshaun Watson does behind the offensive line. It'll amaze you. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and this goes back to a previous conversation as well that we had, I think it was last episode, John, where it's like, you know, do you even trust the Bengals to tank right? <laughs> do, you, do you even trust them to pick the right guy because of, you know, the David Klingler's, Achilles Smith's, Jay Schrader's, Neil O'Donnell's in their history? So, um, you know, uh, I, this this conversation comes with an own three start, guys. I mean, that's whether you, whether you want to hear it or not. I mean, the, the quarterback is always the guy that is under the biggest scrutiny on a team and is praised the most on a team. And, uh, you know, 0-3 under a new coach. Some people thought the new coach was going to move in a different direction at the position, but so far he has not. Um, there's There have been some positives from Dalton this year, but last week really opened my eyes. And, uh, you know, I know, John, you've been you've been wide awake on that front for, for a lot longer than I have. But, uh, you know, hopefully he turns it around. I, I really do. But I, I just – we're in year nine. We're three games into this season um I, I i'm not overly optimistic that there's going to be a, a brand new different andy dalton at this point but we'll see this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast we will I, I see some questions and uh about our uh you know if we're taking calls and, and texts yes we are 949-542-6241 we'll try and get to some towards the end of the program you can call or text otherwise we're, we're scanning the both the facebook and the youtube uh, channel for your comments and we appreciate you tuning in it's okay if you disagree with us that we're, we're big boys we can take it um so we we appreciate the the passion and uh hopefully you appreciate our passion even though you may not have you you not, may not agree with our viewpoint um but as always you can get this program on cincyjungle.com and it's variety of audio channels which is itunes stitcher spotify google play megaphone all kinds of different areas so get the show um well also uh you can also get the show on youtube and cincyjungle.com we do have a call coming in john we're gonna we're gonna get this one here um i think i heard on the way in is this uh is this john yeah, it's John from Kentucky. How are you, sir? It's been a little while. Talk to you guys again. Yeah, been, yeah, been a little while. Who day? You know, I was just going to say quickly, uh, I have defended Dalton for a long time, but then I thought here very recently, well, he's been here nine years. That's a long time. We don't have any big wins. Uh, I thought when he threw in the triple coverage to uh, Tate, that, you know, he had Tyler Eifert wide open, and Dalton's not the worst of quarterbacks, but I don't think Andy Dalton is the guy that is going to take us to the Super Bowl, and I really think it's just time to move on from him. So my question for you is this. If the Bengals indeed are like a 3-13 and team or worse, do you definitely take a quarterback – in the next draft, you think, or no, no, no? Do you try to grind this out? Try to get to nine and seven, maybe ten and six. The team is halfway beat up, limp into the playoffs, lose again, and the front office say, "Well, you know, Dalton's not too bad. He <laughs> pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and he got us into the playoffs. Let's keep him." That I mean, it, how do you see this? That is a load. That is a loaded question, John. I. I'll say this, and, and I want John uh, John Sheeran to answer as well. We talked about something somewhat similar to this last week where the Bengals can still salvage this season, be competitive, maybe even make a playoff push, and still next year use draft collateral to move up and get a quarterback of the future. They can do both. 
the, the thing is, is this team does not make the aggressive moves usually on that front. So there is an ability. If they can start scraping some wins together, this division is really sucky right now with the exception of the Ravens who even last week lost. Um, you know, they could potentially be competitive this year and still move up in the next year, maybe two years to get their franchise quarterback of the future. Let Dalton play this, you know, one more final year if they really want to do that under a team friendly deal. Let the rookie develop for a year and then move on from there. John Sheeran, your thoughts? I I have no freaking clue how you justify taking anybody else besides a quarterback if they finished in the bottom five this year right there's there's no there's no position not even if like you have the next ray lewis at linebacker the next joe thomas left tackle there is no position that could possibly impact this team positively more than the quarterback if you just went three and 13 with andy dolan starting 16 games no matter how poorly he plays if they go three and 13 or four and 12 or even 511 for that matter there is no zero justification for not taking a quarterback they should have taken one last year when they were six and ten and they had one in Dwayne Hacken in Haskins they should have, they should have taken one two years before with Lamar Jackson when they went I don't know seven and nine or, or whatever when they were originally 12th in, in the order there is no position that they need to take more a quarterback if the season goes down the tubes there's only one like there's only been one team who started 0-3 and went to the playoffs. That team was last year's Houston Texans. That's because Deshaun Watson basically went Goku behind a, a crappy offensive line, just like he's doing now. They, they don't have that quarterback that can possibly elevate them now. They might win, you know, maybe six or seven games at this point for a best-case scenario, but even still, you should have a pretty good idea about what quarterback is, is leading this team right now and what they have to do moving forward. Yeah, the other thing that I want to mention is, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, fix the offensive line, fix the offensive line. Well, I mean, you look you look at it if you're looking maybe into 2020, you would if you think highly of Jonah Williams, he should be back. Uh, Cordy Glenn should be back, even if it's now kind of a rental deal. If he's back, uh, you know, in 2020, you have Michael Jordan that this team was supposedly excited about. You still have Billy Price trying to find his way on this team. So, I mean, they have offensive linemen, uh, you know, you can get maybe linebacker second round. Uh, God, the third round's been terrible for them for that but they've they've filled they've attempted to fill some of these holes so uh, you know like like I, I'm in agreement with John if you know there's there's no way if they're a three-win team this year that they wouldn't look at quarterback towards the top of the draft but I do I do see John's purgatory uh <laughs> comment there like I said I think this team can has the ability to potentially be competitive win some games feel good about themselves in 2020 and still move up to get a guy, even if the plan is to play him in 2021, John. That's that's my thought. Um, appreciate the call, though, man. Uh, sorry about the 0-3 hey, start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. And look, uh, this Monday night, I would love to see us put Pittsburgh at 0-4. So there's definitely something to root for there. I don't want to see the team totally collapse. But if that happens, I'm just using common sense. We've got a quarterback who'd be in his 10th year. It is definitely time to start, you know, looking looking elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in, bud. I hope you've been doing well. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Good All right. That was John, good old good old John from Kentucky. Haven't heard from him for a little while, so good to hear from him. He's been in the the, the live chat there, but uh, you know, he he teased it. Let's talk Steelers. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk this for a few minutes before we get out of here, John. Bengals head to Pittsburgh, their third road game of the month of September. Um, you know, it ends kind of the, the road streak there. But uh, on paper, a tough game. You go to Pittsburgh on Monday night, but no Ben, no Bell, no Brown. Different looking team. They lost to San Francisco in a very weird way this last week. They are now 0-3. Your initial thoughts of this game as the Bengals head there? There might be some Andy Dalton supporters after they see them face off against Mason Rudolph, who, in my opinion, looks pretty good against um, Seattle uh, when he first came in for Ben Roethlisberger, but he looked abysmal against the 49ers. And not, granted, Andy Dalton did too, but like that, you're right. That was a game that Pittsburgh definitely should have won. I think 49ers turned it over at least four or five times. I don't, I don't know what the final number was, but they only scored like like uh, 20 points off of it. And I think besides like his two touchdowns, uh, Rudolph only completed like one pass beyond one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. So if the Bengals, you know, the Bengals have a chance here because the quarterback that they're facing once again isn't isn't nearly consistent enough to run away with this game. 
But I think it ultimately comes down to the, to the difference with the defense because, unfortunately, Mika Fitzpatrick has made it has made a difference on that defense immediately with Week One. He had interception last week against Garoppolo and he made a couple impact plays on coverage as well. So, like that that front seven is still really good for Pittsburgh. They have T.J. Watt off the edge. Devin Bush is a guy that a lot of Bengals fans want to draft. He's playing really well for, at linebacker, and Fitz, Fitzpatrick is improving that secondary. So I, it'll it'll come down to if this offense, you know, is so inept to start off in the game against uh, again a really good defense on the road. It's it might not matter how poorly or inconsistent Rudolph plays. It might might not be enough for the Steelers to just may, maybe squeak out like a like a one possession win in like the low twenties. Does the, you know, we, we talked about it a little earlier tonight. Does the fact that the Bengals very well could be a two and one right now, does that give you any kind of confidence that they, they could go into Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh being 0 and 3, missing their starting quarterback, missing some of their skill position players that have been stars for them for many years? Does that give you any confidence that the Bengals can go in there? Um, well, I mean, I'm sure it gives you some level of confidence, but I mean, yeah. what, what level of confidence would that give you? given the scenario around this game right now? I, I guess combining like the, the fact that the Bengals stink and the, the Steelers just stink a little bit less, it's probably <laughs> around like probably around, like, got three or four because it's still a, a road game and it, it's the first and only primetime game we have with Zach Taylor this year. It'll be interesting to see how he prepares those guys for that because like you said earlier, you know, this team is still failing in clutch situations. Well, this is under the lights, man, and your season is yeah. is practically over. Not technically over, but practically over. But you're facing a team that's also, you know, threatening with, you know, a, a very bad season of their own. Who's starting the second string quarterback? How how do you, how do you respond from losing your second close game on, on the road early on in the season? How do you respond to your offense being so hot and cold? And h- how do you come out and the only chance that you have to really nullify this this narrative and put all those primetime issues squarely on, on Marvin Lewis. I guess those are the questions that we need we need answers to. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up the primetime thing because that's where I was going next. Um, and I saw, you know, in the in the live Facebook feed, uh, Matthew Mendoza saying, can the Bengals win under the lights? I'm seeing some other people talk about the primetime thing. If, say, let, let, there's a lot of ifs here that I'm going to give you, but if Dalton plays well, if the Bengals win in primetime, what does that does that give you any kind of feeling of of confidence going forward that hey you know that this could be the pivotal game that turns this season around if the Bengals are able to go with their rookie head coach go into Pittsburgh on Monday night beat them and get things even temporarily back on track do you think that this is a pivotal game that can turn their season around or is it you know it's still going to be more more of the same, and this isn't the same Pittsburgh Steelers team we've been accustomed to. I guess it depends on how they win, if they win, because yeah. you know if it's like an ugly one-score game where neither team really plays well, kind of like last week. Like if if the Bengals had beaten the Bills, you know, if one or two things went their way, but they still played like they did, I'm not having so much more confidence that they can turn the season around and make the playoffs. I think it kind of goes the same with this one. If they if they come out and win by multiple scores and just play with such a confidence that we're not used to seeing them on primetime and these issues that are so prevalent just magically get fixed, then yeah, there's, there's a chance that they could become an outlier and maybe turn the season around. I don't think that's likely, and I don't think that either team is going to blow each other out, and I think we're just going to be left with the similar feelings that we have right now. But again, if something out of the ordinary happens, then we have no choice but to eat crow and then cover the season as if they're somewhat competitive. But until we see that, I'm basically hedging my bed and saying that we're going to see the same things. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, at this point, I'd like to say, I mean, I know some people are, hey, just get the highest draft pick as possible. But uh, for me, I would, um, you know, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him take this one. Um, even even if it, if it means that, uh, you know, they, even if they're not going to win a bunch of games this year, I would like to see them take this one from from Pittsburgh and really kind of, even if it's a a small stepping stone, provide a stepping stone for Zach Taylor. This team, you know, Zach Taylor, so reportedly had a very passionate speech to his team at the end of the Bills' loss, saying, "You know, we're so close, we're so close. Don't you know? Don't quit. Don't give up on us. You know, um, we're not getting any breaks. All that kind of stuff." Uh, I, I think this is a big game to see if if something like that resonates resonated with the team, you know, um, as as 
cliche as that might be and as you know however you want to take that i just i think that this is a big game and a lot of different a lot of different reasons for this team for this Bengals team how do you see it playing out prediction wise as you uh sit here on almost we're to, we're we're just under a week away i i think i think it's gonna be very similar to the bills game maybe not to the extent of the offense being so crappy in the first half but i I'm expecting more of a sluggish start against a very talented defense on the road in another hostile environment. But, you know, there's a chance that the offense can come alive with better play calling in the second half, very similar to what we saw. I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to, you know, blow our socks off by any means, but this yeah. defense still has a lot of holes. And, you know, the Steelers ha- have been able to take advantage of the Bengals defense in the past. I think we could see some some bounce back performances from maybe like a James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster and we could see a bounce-back performance from, from John Ross because despite Minka Fitzpatrick, their cornerbacks are still pretty much a weakness. And I think I saw a comment here um, from, from I believe it was Robert Fears. They need to open up a lot of passing and establish throwing later on. I kind of agree with that. I, I think running the ball against the Steelers' defense is going to be kind of tough to do. So I think they need to continue trying trying to get a spread out, spread out passing game going. Definitely utilize play action a lot earlier than they did last week because they didn't have a single play action pass until the second half. That's got to be adjustment that they make. But uh, again, I, I think the Steelers are still the more talented team in their home and this is still a primetime game and we need to see them perform well to, to believe it. So I'm going to go like, like, like 19 to, to 13 Pittsburgh. 19 to 13 Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to call a Bengals win here. I think that, I think they, I think they do it. Um, I think, this is this is the classic Mike Brown feather in the cap type of thing where he'll point to in the next season. Hey, we beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and uh, of course, there's no Ben Roethlisberger and stuff. Regardless, I do think it, if the Bengals are to win, it is a good stepping stone for the direction of things going under Zach Taylor and everything. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of say almost the reverse score there. I'll say uh, I'll say 20, 20 to sixteen Bengals. Um, you know, again, probably a, a little, uh, probably an ugly one, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of being generous to Randy Bullock, giving him two field goals on <laughs> field, uh, two field goals in general, but two field goals on Heinz field, um, being a little generous to him, but, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of my thought. I think, I think they can do it. Um, they got to cut back some of those mistakes and, uh, you know, some of these silly mistakes that we've seen these first couple of weeks. It's been, it's been frustrating for sure. Well, thanks, John. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, my man? Uh, just with Pittsburgh week in general, I've been a supporter in the fact that this rivalry should probably be suspended for a couple of years because of the animosity that we've seen over the past couple of years. Primarily, most of that was due to Vontaze Burfick and maybe a little bit of Antonio Brown. Both those guys are fortunately in the news for different reasons. But, I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how this game goes from, from that perspective and, and how, the, how the bad blood translates into a new era for really both teams because now the Steelers are without Ben Roethlisberger, the Bengals are without Marvin Lewis and a bunch of other names from, from the past. So, you know, how these teams kind of interact on the field, I think, will go a long way in determining you know, what the state of this rivalry is. And there's a lot of uncertainty with both teams in general, but I'm, I'm interested in hopefully looking forward to a more civilized game between these two teams. That's a great point. Um, you, you, uh, I don't want to say you stole my thunder a little bit, but I, I do, uh, I, I do actually wonder the same thing, you know, no perfect, no Brown, no uh, bell, a lot of new faces on the Bengals. No green probably is not going to play a lot of others. Um, no Ben, it's just uh, it's going to have a different feeling in both teams being 0-3. Usually when these two teams meet, even when the Bengals haven't been great these past three years, um, it's not two teams at 0-3, right? Um, it, it usually still means something at this point in the season. So um, this has been – when these two teams have played in primetime, some very interesting and sometimes sad things have happened, be it from Ryan Shazier on the sad side to – um, you know, the 2015 wildcard game to the Bengals beating them a couple of years ago on Monday night. It's just, um, I, I like, like you, I wonder where this is going to, what this is going to look like this week. Um, and I wonder how the Bengals are going to respond given what has happened these, the past three weeks that they've been close to winning twice. And if they're able to just kind of tweak some things and, uh, and get that first win for Zach Taylor. Anyway, 
Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, whether it's on our YouTube channel or via Cincy Jungle's Facebook account. Appreciate that. You can subscribe to this podcast channels on um, on YouTube as well as the Cincy Jungle SB Nation podcast feed, which now, as I mentioned, features uh, Daddio and Hoji of uh, DNH Sports. It now features Ace Boogie and Zim Hude of uh, New Stripe City. We'll now have Matt Minich doing some film review. And then, of course, our program, The Orange and Black Insider. Thanks for all the support. Get the podcast how you can, how you listen to your podcast. We appreciate it. Johnny, have a good rest of the week, man. It's going to be – we got a little longer than usual to the next game. Get out of here and enjoy your birthday, man. <laughs> See you, everybody.